so I just wanted to pray for Mark as he is, I know he's going to be preaching into that theme for us tonight. So, Father, thank you for Mark and for the way that he has been so shaped by the Father heart and carries that passion. We pray that as he speaks tonight, you'd anoint him by the Holy Spirit and that this night not be a night just of encouragement, but genuinely one of transformation. One where you, we give you permission, Lord, to touch the deep things of our lives and lead us into life and health. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks, Paul. <clears throat> so, yeah, happy Father's Day. I've had a, a really busy day today, so I still haven't had my card from Charlotte, my daughter. So um, she never goes to bed anyway. So by the time I get back, uh, we're no different. She could uh, give me a Father's card then. But happy Father's Day. But one of the great things about Father's Day um, is that it kind of automatically makes us think a bit about God as Father. So um, in a sense, it kind of highlights a bit of a problem that um, perhaps in the church, I mean, the church at large, we kind of like, you know, wheel out Luke 15 of Father's Day. Uh, and, and, it, and it's kind of a truth that maybe perhaps gets a little bit sidelined. But actually, it's absolutely foundational that, you know, we think about the revelation of justification by grace through faith, which Martin Luther championed. We had a whole reformation about it. But actually, the fact that Jesus saves us from our sins is, again, as Paul said, unto something. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father through me. And actually, our being rescued from sin, our being justified in and through Christ, brings us into the adoption of sons, that we become part of God's family. So actually, we are saved in order that we might become part of God's big family. And so the revelation that God is a good dad is, is actually far from sort of a, a sort of a truth that you might kind of like wheel out on Father's Day, is, is so foundational that we really need to be talking about it a lot. And actually, Paul's right to say um, it's something that we need to go deep, that actually it's one thing to kind of know sort of, not superficially, but on, on a sort of mental level, some kind of level, that, that, that God is a good father. But it's another thing to kind of carry that, to carry that truth. And um, I mean, I've, I've believed in the existence of God all my life, but I've been a, a born-again Christian about 20 years. And, um, and I can honestly say, and again, I, I'm not saying this to kind of point to myself, but I'm saying this to kind of to express the fact that this is possible that for the last 16 years at least I've never doubted that God likes me or that I'm all right with God I've loads of other issues <laughs> just just ask my wife Claire she'll tell you all the other stuff but it's just something I've just not it got settled for me I can even tell you when it was in 2006 I mean it's not like I didn't believe it before then but there were times when I kind of questioned whether God was like me or if I messed up Something might be like, oh, are me and God all right? I don't know. I've messed up. Are we all right? I don't know. If I say sorry, hopefully we will be. But, but something got settled in me that actually I, I just live with peace, a sense of just rest in the knowledge of God's love. And if that's kind of provocative, then, then I just want to say to you that, you know, take heart because it's, it's possible to live like that. It's actually possible to live not doubting that God likes you and you're all right with him. It really is possible, because I'm not lying. I've lived like that for over 16 years, at least. I never doubt that God likes me or loves me, ever, ever. Like I said, I've got other issues, but not that one. So hopefully, you know, hopefully something of this can be genuinely transformative. And what I'd like to say, again, on, this, this, on that note, really, 
One of the reasons why I think something settled in me was, I confess, I really, I really went after that. I really went after that. I used to go to a lot of conferences, and I had a lot of prayer ministry. And, um, you know, if you want to get a suntan, you go somewhere where there's sun, don't you? It stands to reason. But if you go to that place wearing, I don't know, like a boiler suit or something, then, then you're kind of like undermining the fact that you might get a tan. So I think there's two elements of that. If you want a tan, go somewhere where there's sun. Obviously, wear sun cream. Uh, but go somewhere where there's sun. But also, don't have unnecessarily things that get in the way and prevent you benefiting from, from that sun. And I think it's the same. with If you want to go deep in this revelation of the Father heart of God, again, don't wait until next Father's Day when it kind of, you know, someone will probably bring up Luke 15 again. But actually pursue the revelation that God is a good dad. You know, read books on it, pray into it, ask God to reveal it to your heart. But also deal with the bits that can get in the way. You know, I remember, again, in the early days, I remember having a lot of, and, and still now, I do still get allow, you know, still get prayed for. But I remember in the early days just having a lot of prayer ministry and actually making a point of going, you know, not just to the end of services, but specifically going to people, trusted people, and, and, and actually, you know, doing a bit of confessing and repenting in the company of people that I knew weren't going to kind of, you know, beat me up or make me feel bad about it. But, like, partner with me, hear me, support me, pray for me, and see me come into some deliverance. And so I just really encourage you, go after this. You know, don't rest, as it were, until you know rest, that you know 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 that God is a good dad and he really likes you, and that that's, that's just settled. And like I say, deal with some of the stuff, you know, speak to me if it helps. Um, and other people, you know, prayer ministry is going to be available this evening, but also in an ongoing sense. Let's kind of partner with one another that we can get freed up from the things that might rob us of that father heart tan. And uh, let's see what God will do. So I'm going to read to you a couple of verses, not Luke 15 actually, but 1 John 3, 1 to 3. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. There's five parts to this. I'm really going to labor the first two and kind of give sort of lip service to the other ones a bit. But five parts is first, that God is a loving father. Secondly, that through Christ, we are his children. But also, what those few verses pointed out as well is that people in the world do not understand that we are God's children because they don't know him. So it's so important that we share Christ with people, isn't it? So that they could know freedom and become part of God's family too. Fourthly, that by the grace of God, we are being changed from glory to glory and we'll become like him. And then fifth, that hope in this truth is powerful and effective. I've kind of already implied that, haven't I? That, that we can know peace, but also, you know, this is, you know, really empowering for us. So, God is a good dad. Uh, someone wrote, the message of the Father's love isn't another book. It's the bookshelf that holds every other book. The message of the Father's love isn't another book. It's the bookshelf that holds every other book. Again, Jesus Paul's already quoted as already, you know, he came in his father's name and he came to reveal the father. In fact, in his high priestly prayer, John 17, you know, he, he was chatting to the father and talking about how he would, it, I've, I've been revealing you, father, and we'll go on revealing you. It's so important that we have this revelation. 
And so for that reason, Paul prays for the, church, the Ephesian church. He says in Ephesians 1, 17 through 19, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, there he is, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you would know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, in his kids, that we're God's inheritance. But Paul prays that we would have revelation of this, that the Spirit would give us revelation so that we would know the Father, that we would know him. Again, not just sort of head knowledge, if you like, but experiential heart knowledge, that God is a good dad and that we can know him. Remember, Jesus called God Abba Father. The, the Aramaic, the, the word is a bit like Papa or Daddy. And actually, you, you might think, oh, I, I don't know, I, 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 can't, I, I find that a bit hard, Daddy, I don't know. Maybe you don't. Father, perhaps, goes in the other direction. Maybe it seems kind of a formal word. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't. I don't want to project onto you where you're at. Um, but I, I think maybe in our culture, and I'm, you know, great, if you want to call God Daddy, great, do it. But f- for me, as well as kind of knowing God as Father, it helps me to think as a kind of, 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 that he's just a good dad. Because for me, dad speaks of intimacy. It's authority, but it's kind of in our culture, maybe. I don't, I don't know what you think. I find, it, I, think, I find it helpful to think that God is a good dad and that I can relate to him as such. But why do we find this hard to accept? Well, one reason is a wrong image of God. And Jesus tells us in Luke, or he gives us a clue in Luke 11, why that might be. Jesus says, talking about prayer, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, ouch, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So again, we've had Father's Day. Father's Day is brilliant because we get to honor dads, don't we? We have Mother's Day. We get to honor mums. We need a day for Everyone and everything, don't we? We get to honor friends, colleagues, children, everyone. God is into honoring. You know, he wants to honor us, even as it's great that on an occasion like this, and hopefully every day, we get to honor him back. So we get to honor the Father. But as we think about Father's Day, uh, it, it, you know, it, it brings to mind our own experience of our dads, doesn't it? And Jesus basically says, I mean, he doesn't mince his words, does he? He says, um, if you then, though you are evil... And um, he kind of implies there, doesn't he, that, that any metaphor or analogy, worldly one, um, I mean, Nic- Nicodemus got hung up on this, didn't he, in John 3. He's chatting to Jesus, and Jesus is using kind of like earthly parallels, and, G- and Nicodemus can't get his head around it. And, and basically, Jesus says to Nicodemus, ah, you're a teacher of Israel, and you don't get it when I use uh, something that is heavenly with an earthly parallel what if I really weird you out and talk about something that has no earthly parallel at all? So God is trying his best to communicate to us heavenly truths. And so when God is trying to get us to know what he's like, he uses these analogies that would help us, doesn't he? So, so, so he talks about being like a good shepherd, doesn't he? But the, the problem with any analogy like that is that that might not be a particularly helpful one for you if you've had a bad experience. So again, if, I don't know, if you've been on a camping holiday and deepest, darkest Dorset, and you were driving along the lane, and a shepherd was there with all the sheep, and I don't know, you ran into a tree and dumped your car, you'd be like, oh, shepherds, 
So that would undermine your appreciation that God's a good shepherd. Well, Jesus says, doesn't he, that he's, he's, he said to the disciples, he says, I no longer call you servants, but friends, but friends. And the proverb speaks of the friend that sticks closer than a brother. But what if you've been stabbed in the back by friends during your life and you find that hard? Or even in Isaiah and Psalms and other places, God speaks to himself like a mother, doesn't he? And he says, you know, he's like a nurturing mother. But then he says, he says, he says you know, could a mother forget you? But then he qualifies that and he says, well, I suppose theoretically they could. Even if a mother could forget you, I couldn't. So again, he's kind of saying that any way he speaks about who he is in a way that we can comprehend, he acknowledges that it's problematic. A mother could potentially forget you. A dad is evil. Ah! And so that's a problematic image as well. But he still says you know, that that's who he is and that's how he wants to relate to us. Which is why Jesus says, you know, when you pray, pray our Father. So again, when we try and relate to God as Father... It's natural that the, the, uh, the, the concept or the image of the man that we have called father or dad would come to mind, wouldn't it? And that that's going to be impressed upon, upon uh, our way of relating to God as father. And we've all had different experiences, haven't we, of father types. Might, maybe you've experienced a kind of a passive kind of father that's not been too involved in things. Or an absent father, maybe a workaholic dad that you never really saw. Or even your father just isn't there anymore. I've never met my late father-in-law. He um, died before I even met my wife, Claire. So maybe you've just not, they've just not been there. The performance-oriented father, maybe a dad that has always given you the impression that you're accepted based on just doing well. That, you know, yay, you're in his good books when you're like, you know, getting good grades and everything. But when you get a good, bad grade, you kind of get the sort of furrowed brow and the sense of disappointment. Maybe the abusive father. Maybe a permissive father, a kind of sugar daddy. Or even a decent father, a decent dad. That can be problematic. Because if you think, oh, my dad's a decent kind of bloke, and you project that on God, he's a decent kind of bloke, it's kind of a different kind of ceiling, isn't it? And so we need to recognize that we can bring all of that stuff to God for healing. You know, it's great. We, we honor dads. It's great, like we honor mums. But they make mistakes. Some, some of them have made terrible mistakes. Um, you know, I dread to think all the counselling that Charlotte will have to have in the future because of, of me. So, um, but we, we do our best, don't we? Well, hopefully we do. But we need to give all of that to God for healing and say, well, God, okay, um, I want to know you as, as my dad. And I don't want anything to kind of get in the way of that. So, Lord, I'm just presenting, ooh, I'm presenting you my experience in order that, that, that there would be healing and cleansing. But truth that God the Father is an amazing Father um, is just is, is life-transforming. And Jesus already, um, not Jesus, Paul, um, very Christ-like, um, Paul quoted um, that Jesus is our way of seeing what God is like. Colossians 1.15, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And similarly, we read in Hebrews 1.3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. So again, as Jesus said to Philip, you know, if we've seen him, we've seen the Father. So again, when Jesus had little children bouncing up and down on his knees and the disciples were like, no, no, Jesus hasn't got time for you. And Jesus says, no, sharp disciples, bring them to me because the kingdoms are such as these. Or when he's, you know, uh, you know, forgiving a woman caught in adultery and rebuking the Pharisees who've just so missed the Father's heart. Or, again, when he's doing miracles that are life-giving and bringing healing, he's revealing the Father. Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. 
And so when Jesus says, for instance, he says, remember, it's a, we all love this verse, don't we? When he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take your yoke, my yoke upon you and learn from me. And then he says, because I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for, my, for your souls. So if Jesus is gentle and humble in heart, what does that say about the Father? It means he's gentle and humble in heart too, doesn't he? He's a good dad. God's a good dad. He's gentle and he's humble in heart. He's kind. Isaiah says, I'll tell her the many kindnesses of the Lord, the deeds to which he's to be praised. He's kind. He's a good dad. He loves us. We know that God is love, don't we? 1 John 4, 8, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And because God is love, and again, don't build a theology of, out of this because I'm sort of taking it out of context, but humor me. What if we were to read 1 Corinthians 13 for substitute the word love for father? Father is patient. Father is kind. Father does not envy. Father does not boast. Father is not proud. Father does not dishonor others. Father is not self-seeking. Father is not easily angered. Father keeps no record of wrongs. Father does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Father always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Father never fails. That's what he's like. He's a good dad. So the second truth, he's a good dad and we're his kids. So through Jesus, we can become part of God's family. And we need to see ourselves as God sees us, not as the world sees us. Our identity in Christ as God's children is so, so important. People have called us all manner of things. When we've been silly, we've called ourselves all manner of things. But they're not the truth of who we are. God sees us and he delights in us. We're his kids. And through the Spirit of God, our hearts can become alive to this truth. Again, it doesn't have to stay ahead knowledge, which is why in Romans 8 it says that the Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. Now if we are children, we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And similarly, in Galatians 4, we read, Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father, Daddy, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. I sometimes say, I say Holy Spirit, witness to my spirit that I'm God's child. And just, you know, just have time waiting on the Lord and just allow myself to just be aware of the Holy Spirit witnessing to that truth. Because the Holy Spirit loves to make experiential in our lives what Christ has made possible for us. What Christ accomplished for us on the cross, the Holy Spirit makes experiential in our lives. He loves to take from what Jesus has done and make it experiential for us. So we, like I said, we can know peace with God. We can know that he likes us, that he loves us. Because the Holy Spirit will bear witness to that. That he's a good dad and that we're his kids. And that he likes us and that he loves us. And we can know that deep in our hearts and we can live out of that truth. I mean, that truth in and of itself was so important for Jesus. Jesus, of course, was the unique son of God. 
And so that obviously plays into, uh, into the passage. But in Mark 1.11, easy to remember, Mark and three ones. In Mark 1.11, we see Jesus being baptized. And the father says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And again, he is the unique son of God. I, I know that. But also in Christ, God speaks the same word of approval and affirmation over us. And one thing that's interesting about that is that we've got to remember this is at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He hasn't even done anything yet. Like All that we know about is he got lost and his parents had to go and find him at the, at the temple. I mean, he's, to be fair, he's led 30-odd years of sinless perfection, which is fairly impressive, isn't it? So I'll give him that. But he hasn't actually kind of embarked on, on ministry yet. So when God says, you're my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, again, it's not based on Jesus' performance. God the Father just loves him because he loves him because he's a good dad and he loves him. And it's the same with us. We need to recognize that the Father's love for us is not based on our performance. If it's based on anyone's performance, it's that of the unique Son of God. He sees us in Christ. It's actually about what Jesus has done for us on the cross and made possible for us. That therefore, through Christ, we're adopted in God's family. And so God loves us on account of Christ's performance and also on account of his love, just on account of the fact that he is love, and he can't help himself, and he loves us because he loves us because he loves us. But I've, um, I've actually quoted this before. I find it helpful, so I'm going to say it again. There's a, a Christian author who sadly uh, died now um, but called Jack Frost, and he's written some books about the Father's love. And he talks about this experience of Jesus in Mark 1.11, and he talks about the Father's blessing that brings with it certain foundational truths and an assurance that we are meant to live out of. One, that the Father loves us. Two, that we have identity as his kids. Three, that we have security in him. And four, that we have a unique divine destiny. But he basically says, if you're not a rest in the Father's love, there's a counterfeit of each of those four things that we will find ourselves drawn to for one of that blessing. Conveniently, they all begin with P, so they're easy to remember. And he talks about the counterfeit of love being passions. Think about how easy it is for people to get addicted to pornography, for instance. The counterfeit of identity, he says, position. So easy to think that we have an identity because we are, you know, head of the hockey team or, I don't know, CEO of a corporation or whatever it might be. You know, that, we, that our identity is based on our position. The counterfeit of security is possessions having more, be, you know, two cars, not just one, big offenses, you know, that, that we feel secure because of our possessions. And finally, it's a bit similar to identity, but the counterfeit of destiny, power. Again, we're called to an amazing destiny with God. But if we've not worked out the reason that, for which God has made us, we might exercise that sense, that need, through inappropriate control exercised over other people power over other people, dominating others, for want of knowing that we have a home in the Father's heart and he's called us. Can you identify with any of those? Passions, possessions, position, power? I don't name those things to make you feel bad, but again, it's to recognize that if there's, if there's something in there, then actually that's something that we can address, can't we? It's the pulling up the rug. It's the dealing with the stuff, not letting it fester. And also, even before the service, I just saw God use... Um, uh, I used it this morning in the service, but I wasn't thinking about that. But I just saw uh, a hand across an Etch-a-Sketch where you rub out the drawing to bring a clean, clean sheet. You know, Etch-a-Sketch, you remember those? 
I'm a child of the 80s. So, you know, so you, 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 whatever the mess you've made, you can wipe it out. And God wants to wipe that out. In fact, even before the service, I was, I was reminded of one of the, the names of God, which is El Shaddai, which variously translated as God Almighty or All-Sufficient One. Uh, but I remember someone saying once, can't remember who, but someone saying that, that they'd heard or that they were aware that one way of reading into that, as well as, you know, God Almighty, El Shaddai means the God who is able to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. And I find that very reassuring. When that name comes to mind, I often find myself just thanking God that when I'm in a mess, he can get me out of it. That he's my provider. He's the one that sustains me, like a parent sustains a child, like I'm there for Charlotte to kind of, you know, sustain her and nourish her. That he does that for me. But he does for me what I cannot do for myself. And it might be there are some things under the carpet that we don't want to exposing because we just don't know how we're going to deal with it god is the god who can do for you what you cannot do for yourself you just have to own that process and say god i really need your help with this one and so even tonight we can know freedom as we allow god to wipe that stuff clean as we get free and we know the peace that we have in him finally then i said i'd really pass over these ones quickly we're on a path of spiritual growth into spiritual maturity Ephesians talks about the body of Christ being built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So even as we discover that we're God's kids, which is amazing, we get to grow up, don't we, into mature children. We go, as in, in the Greek, I'm not, I'm not great on Greek. I did it for a year and then forgot most of it. But I do, I do know that technon means infant and huios means mature. So we go from being little technons like Charlotte to becoming mature sons and daughters like Jesus, don't we? We're to grow up into maturity as his children. And then I mentioned, didn't I, that the world doesn't know us because it doesn't know him. It cannot comprehend what's going on because it doesn't know him. And that's why the Father is sending us, his kids, into the world to share this truth with them. Jesus came in his Father's name. And God wants to use us, his children, to share the gospel of salvation and the message of adoption into God's family. John 17, as you sent me into the world, says Jesus, I've sent them into the world. And John 20, 21 to 22, Jesus with his disciples, he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So the Father, free, remember, freely you've received, freely give. We need to have received first, don't we? We need to come into that rest when we know that 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 God is a good dad and that he loves us and he likes us. And we need to, as it were, invest in that truth so that we really do know it and live out of it. And then we're to go and to share the Father with the world. And we will become like him. Romans 8, 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And finally, this truth, hope in this truth is powerful and effective. I remember uh, there's a, a Christian writer, pastor in New Zealand called James Jordan. And I remember him using, uh, saying something that I really liked, I remembered. And he said that we are the gift of God to God. He said that we are the Father's gift to the Son of a bride, and we are the Son's gift to the Father of children. But we are the gift of God to God. We are his inheritance. Again, Paul's prayer for the church in, in Ephesus, that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the glorious riches of his inheritance in us that we are his inheritance. We are the bride for Jesus. We are the sons of the Father. And he is our inheritance. That he is him. We get him. 
It's all about him, and we get him. And that truth purifies us. That truth is powerful. And so let's pray, shall we, for that spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can know that God is a good dad. And know that we know that we know that we know that we know that we're his kids and he loves us. Would you stand? Let's, let's pray. I know we often say this kind of thing and it's kind of obvious really, but if it helps to put your hands out in front of you as if you're going to receive a gift or close your eyes, the point is that we we position ourselves, don't we? To receive the blessing of God, to receive his spirit, the spirit of adoption. He wants to witness to our spirit that God is a good dad and we're his kids. So Father, we love you, glorious Father, We honor you today. On Father's Day, we honor you, God the Father. And we ask, Father, through Jesus, that you would pour out your spirit on us. Come, come, Holy Spirit, we love you, we bless you. Please come, reveal the Father.